Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today is three-time Grammy Award, Grammy-nominated voice actor. Is it Grammy? Is it Emmy, Emmy. Emmy. Sorry. I, I wish. <laughs> uh, you know, I work often with, uh, with Gray Delisle, who actually is a Grammy Award winner. Uh, if you can imagine, like, she's, she's, like, produced albums, and that always, like, just amazes me that like you know i mean like plenty of actors uh, out there can sing it's it's not, it's not a new thing but when you're actually sitting in a room with someone that's won a grammy you're just like oh man i'm ne- i wish let's just let's just keep it as grammy because that sounds cooler than an emmy to me i knew it was wrong as soon as i said it i was like no that's that's not right that's um three-time emmy award nominate emmy nominated yeah. mm-hmm. uh voice actor Eric Bauza, who is the voice. I'm a, a triple Bugs loser, Bunny. as they say in the Emmy world. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm the Susan Lucci of uh, voiceover. Animation. Oh, don't say that. You'll get one. Who's that? You'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, we're again. I, I know it's cliche, and I know it's like, oh, you know, whatever. He's just saying that, but it's like it really is just to to be recognized at that point for your work, and it's like you're you're uh, you know. One of the first times I was ever nominated for anything, it was for any award, and that's the Animation Awards. And um, like what, like Bill Farmer, Mark Hamill, uh, Chris Diamantopoulos, you know, uh, like the voice of Mickey Mouse. That's a good list. I mean, and I was just like, and some schlub. And it was like, hi. (laughs) But it was, you know, and then again, uh, nominated with... uh, Reed Scott uh, for the Emmys, the first time I got nominated for an Emmy, Carlos Elizraki, Jeff Bennett, you know, like these are just people that like I grew up watching and to be in that circle of, of like, oh, I have to wear a tuxedo and put gel in my hair, which is why I wear a hat because my, my hair is just like, it's like ridiculously like, you know, I have to like, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a mountain. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a, brillo porcupine quills uh if i don't have half a (laughs) bottle of gel in my hair it just it you know it's easier to put a hat on and uh, i love supporting the the raptors it's like the mountain of mashed potatoes and close encounters yeah it's just just (laughs) luxurious filipino hair so um very fluffy uh yeah again the nominations are, are 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 the award itself i think winning is just like oh well i can you know, no one's going to see this award. It's going to be in my bathroom. So, well, I think the biggest reward <laughs> is following up the legendary uh, talent that has voiced this character before. Bugs Bunny is celebrating his 80th, which is what brings us together today. And yes. it is a milestone because to have a character that is so beloved and, and thanks to this reboot that you're a part of, he's you know, becoming aware to kids today and he's being celebrated all over again. Yes. So I mean, 80, 80 years is, is uh, crazy to think that he's been making people laugh for that long. And, um, 
I mean, I've been I've been in a lot of uh, interviews in the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, today is my second uh, interview today, and it's it is what you know what 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 keeps these characters around is is that uh, what's funny is funny. So yes, you know, uh, a joke, a, a well crafted, well told joke and story, and, and well acted story is is gonna be funny the first day it hits. You know. Uh, the film reels all the way up into syndication in the eighties and nineties. And even in a reboot that is trying to tailor itself close to uh, the original. So and it's doing a really good job of that. From, I, be, I mean, we keep getting good press and uh, you know, no matter, no matter what uh, wrenches are getting thrown in our way. I mean, like, you know, the anti, I was going to wear my other shirt. Uh, it's a good shirt. It's, and you can tell that these were just like, licensed from the license bible somewhere there's an image but there's there's a really good image of uh elmer like in the holding the gun pose right, but right. bugs and he's saying bang bang oh. <laughs> <laughs> i want to like wear that i have I'm, i may have a fox news uh uh interview coming up and i want to wear that shirt <laughs> oh please do please do that would be hilarious that would be huge <laughs> And, and and if they ask, so what's the deal with the anti-gun? Because they made a big deal of it, and they made a big deal of it everywhere, right? I mean, it was right. it was kind of a hot topic for a second, and I honestly believe that. I mean, coming off of the weeks of uh, you know Black Lives Matter, and it was a very emotional movement that yes. I completely support. Um, I just feel like whoever was like you know uh, uh, on whatever side, uh, it, it doesn't even matter. You you know you could be a gun fanatic and, and, and be a part of any political party. I don't know what, whatever, whoever put that article out that really was bored that week that wanted to stir up some kind of controversy for the sake. Of, Cause I mean, they started complaining about it weeks after Looney Tunes cartoons premiered right after weeks Way of after positive, the oh, so far yeah. after the premiere that it's like, oh, you're a little too late there. And then like some like people on Twitter, some politicians that are like, you know, pro-gun and, you know, uh, pro-Trump and all that stuff. They're like, well, they probably just did this because of the, you know, George Floyd. Like they're trying to connect it to George oh, sure. Floyd. And I'm like- the Recent events. I'm like- There's no way. Know, I was like, these shorts were animated well over a year ago, if not almost two years ago. Right. Get, get your facts straight, lady. Like, <laughs> I answered her. I, you know, I wrote to her, no response. But, like, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, we, we, we forgot these aren't real humans. These Elmer Fudd's a four-fingered cartoon character. You know, like, <laughs> like if your top priority, if, if on your grocery list is complain about Elmer Fudd not having a gun, you better put that one at the bottom and get your head of lettuce first <laughs> and your, exactly. your fresh milk. It's just, it, it was kind of like, a, like I, I was shocked that people were complaining about it and, and complaining about it, not just vocally on their own private social medias or whatever, but I mean, like people wrote articles about it. People, people got dressed up and, and uh, were in front of cameras on the news talking about it. And it oh, was yeah. just like, I was just like, uh, you know, hey, any press is good press as far as I'm concerned. And since then, more articles have come out uh, on online saying, hey, despite despite the 
the backlash of anti-gun Looney Tunes cartoons is still like number one on HBO Max and is still doing really, really well. So, Which is fantastic because I love that people the... are seeing these and, and getting reacquainted with the characters. Yeah. But also the, the legendary crew behind it is, is incredible. And um, I really love all of the homages that they have to the classics and to that team. But the, the, yeah, the whole Elmer thing, we, uh, Dave Lee Down Under, who does his own stuff with the Evolution series on YouTube, and he covers all Looney Tunes stuff. He, um, he and I talked about the, the gun, the anti-gun thing, and, and it was, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but I, I love what he said in that episode, which was, if you're not a fan of him having a gun, then you were never really a fan of the character itself because the gun doesn't make the character. The gun is just there to create it's comedy. Yeah, and yeah. it was he was never it was never glued to his hand. No. Um, you know, uh, I think he ha- Elmer definitely had the gun. I think less than Yosemite because Yosemite was always like that cowboy kind of rustling kind of character. But again, he was also a a, a knight. He was a also pirate. he was also a pirate. He was also from space. He was also <laughs> You know, I mean, like he was oh, everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's like I don't know. It, 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 I I am a purist as well. Maybe the biggest purist you'll ever meet of these characters. But it's just I don't know. I just think it's it's so funny that uh, people who are not willing to admit that yes, times have changed. Violent things have ha- been happening, and and especially school shootings that are surrounded surrounding topics surrounding with children you know what i mean and uh times have changed like we we consume a lot of content uh you know we we like when things get extreme you know and if but but if you're normal enough to know that hey you walk away from that experience and go that was just a show that was just a a movie that was just a book that was just a comic book and you don't kill any. I, I've I've never fired a gun, and I've watched every Looney Tunes cartoon with weapons. Same. Uh, I've watched all John Wick movies, and I've never <laughs> murdered anyone. But you know, the, who knows what triggers some people out there to to do these uh, horrific acts? And if you, as a producer, have an opportunity to uh, to remove one element of of something that again weeks later nobody noticed anyways like i honestly you know being a father now of a four-year-old who you know what no matter what kids are gonna do cops and robbers they're gonna they're gonna take their thumb and their index finger and go bang bang because you know what's really in right now uh kids four-year-olds watching uh nerf war videos on youtube Mm. and these i mean like these influencers (laughs) get i mean like i'm like Wait, yeah. all you have, all, all you have to do to make a million dollars now is uh make a well-directed YouTube video of me shooting my my Nerf guns at my friend, and Nerf will be like, "Here, here's more Nerf guns for free," and then you get like <laughs> billions of views. It's 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 ridiculous. a plan. I mean, we it's it's it. it's in our you know <laughs> our playful nature as kids to to you know play cops and robbers, and that's fine. Yeah. But again, it's like those cartoons that we've made are if not more violent than the ones that were you know that pushed the envelope even more oh for uh, sure so and, and it's and, not raunchy or anything it's just you know it's it's a good thing the producers stepped in and actually made that choice i think i i think it's a good choice um yeah i mean so. again i i support uh pete i support um 
you know everyone alex kerwan who who's also like one of the the, the main guys and and that's pete you know, browngard you're talking about the executive yeah. producer of this whole series and yeah kind of kick-started the whole thing yeah i mean so, I, I wasn't yeah. i wasn't like oh no how dare you because again if you miss the gun so much go watch the originals they're there they're still yeah. there it's fine it's it's literally just one click over on hbo max <laughs> you just change the icon to the left and speaking of we are going to be talking about some of the originals in this birthday celebration of uh of bugs's 80th uh but first i want to talk a little bit about you eric and uh, how you became the voice of bugs bunny oh boy well uh uh oh well you want to talk about me little old me the yeah, Associated Press. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I talked. So to you them started today. in animation, right? <laughs> I started as a child watching. That was my education <laughs> first. As soon as I was able to sit up right and uh, on the couch, uh, whether that be Saturday mornings or after school, uh, Looney Tunes, well, the Bugs Bunny and Tweety Show, which was the syndicated. Yes. You know, Dear Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, I mean, I love that pairing. Coitons lights. <laughs> this is it. We'll hit the hype, and oh, what hype will hit? On with the show. This is it. You know, like oh, I mean, perfect. I, every weekend, that was my the one hour of of reruns or half hour, however long it was before. Um, that was that was my education into the show, and my brother and I would would watch like all the shorts. I mean. Uh, long-haired hair. That was the the one where he lives next door to the uh, opera singer, right? The music hater. <laughs> oh, a rabbit. What did they do on a rainy night in Rio? A ring ding ding What did they do when there ain't no starry sky? You know, and then uh, the hillbilly hair. Well, anytime Bug sings, uh, you know, la, 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 la. You know, and he's There's that Grammy. That Grammy's in your hey, future, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm on albums. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, my voice is featured on actual albums, so you know. Speaking I was of on the, the Woody Woodpecker soundtrack, <laughs> the the Looney Tunes cartoons album that is currently on Spotify that they just released, uh, featuring the voice or the music of uh, Joshua Mosier and Carl Johnson, also has you in it. I was surprised, and yeah. I love how they listed them as Bugs, Tweety, and Daffy like they're real people. I love it. I was like, that's awesome. You know, like. And I mean, it's, it, I'm only in there for like a, a few seconds. Uh, but just to know that like my voice is, you know, intermix. One of the things that I love doing is, uh, you know, when I used to have to ride down to the studio, uh, not anymore, <laughs> walk to the studio, <laughs> um, roll out of bed and literally land in the studio. Uh, I used to like listen to, you know, Mel Blanc, um, any outtakes or any, any kind of vocal evidence and that's part of the training you know and again seriously i watch an hour of looney tunes every day it's 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 like it's that's instead of going to the gym that i <laughs> my my <laughs> eyes have abs that's how much i work um vocal cords it, have like that those indentions on them for how much you work it out I don't have an Adam's apple. I have an Adam's pineapple. Um, you know, it's it's disgusting. But um, it's it really is a, a lot of uh, listening is is the top is the top uh, you know the the key to it. Uh, I was talking to a fellow voiceover artist the other day, 
and she she is like into the science of it. Her name is Eliza Jane Schneider. You might recognize her as most of the female uh, voices on South Park now, as well as uh, she was the lab assistant on uh, an old show called Beekman's World, the science show. Oh, yeah, Beekman's World. And uh, she was telling me, because she's like a, a, a linguistics like expert, you know, she traveled the world interviewing people and talking to them and analyzing accents and... Um, she, she told me that you, you take information in on the left ear and you can self-process self in your right ear. And it's funny because when I do Looney Tunes, when I, when I did it in the studio, when I was able to not have headphones on, like I used to do sessions without the headphones because hearing, hearing my, I'm used to it now because of the pandemic, but hearing myself uh, do this voice with headphones on was weird. So I would take off the headphones and I found that I was cupping my right ear a lot. Never my left, always my right. And it's like, I was, that's the self analyzing. And when you do that cupping thing, you know, the Christina Aguilera, you know, like right. getting, that, getting those high notes, <laughs> they are self assessing. And it, it really is, if you do this, you can't hear anything. And, and, and if, obviously, if you're not seeing me, I am uh, putting my hand up to my ear, facing it like away from my face. But if you're cupping it like a seashell, you know, oh, you can hear the ocean. You, you really can. You can hear like yourself in the room slightly. And that's like, it's a bit of a training wheel. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I know a lot of voiceover artists that still do that, but it really does help. And um for whatever reason, I still kind of do it when I do bugs. I can't wait to get back in the studio to make sure that my bugs is nice and tuned, Doc. My my favorite word to say as bugs to kind of get in train, like to get in the pocket is, all right, you know, because <laughs> it oh, has yeah, that yeah. that weird all right, like that high pitch and low, you know, like, right, right. It goes up and it goes down. Uh, but I well, was I doing think you a, perfected it. Oh, thanks. Well, here's it the thing too, great. like. Uh, you know, you want to talk about how, how I got trained. Of course, you have to acknowledge the original uh, blueprint, Mel Blanc, who laid down all the groundwork for not just Bugs, but Daffy, Tweety, Porky, Sylvester, uh, Wiley Coyote, Super Genius when he talked, Taz, Foghorn Leghorn. Martian. I say, I say Foghorn Leghorn, son. Yeah. <laughs> like the, like the, <laughs> she's like the freeway between here and San Diego. No curves. I said, that's a joke, son. Not, you're not lit. Pay attention. You know, see that house that says D O G that spells chicken boy. Go get him. Yeah. Like all these voices that like, I mean, it, there's, he was the master. He was like bursting at the seams when he did these voices. And it's like, you know, it wasn't done in a, in a padded room. It was like on a sound stage with proper microphones and stuff. And you can still kind of hear a bit of the room tone when he speaks yeah. And and that nice buzz that those microphones created. The vintage sound of like yeah, the, the vinyl. Mics. Yeah. And um it just it just sounds like he was just uh, like having a, a heart attack every time he performed <laughs> cuz he would be like, you know, screaming. That's you know, uh, again, listening to him is uh, that nothing nothing will ever be listening to the original and it's just like and it also makes you feel like crap, I'll never be that and it's near impossible to get in there uh well you've gotten pretty close sir oh thanks but you know 
there, you know, we're celebrating 80 years of bugs. So then there's the span of time that Mel had with bugs. And then there's the, the years after that he wasn't there. And we have to mention Jeff Bergman. West and we got to do Joe Alasky, who is probably the only guy that could say he did a Mel Blank voice while Mel was still alive in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He was Yosemite Sam getting booted over the bridge. My biscuits are burning, you know, like that, <laughs> that scene. And Mel thought it was him. Mel thought it was him. He's like, oh, I, you know, I don't remember doing that. I was like, oh, no, no, that was because it was really hard on his voice at that point. Right. Yosemite Sam. Um, and R.I.P. Joe Alasky. I mean, he was, Joe Lasky, he was Greg Burson, uh, you know, he, he was like right after Jeff Bergman, he was doing, he did it for all these, uh, I, I already have these on, on hand because of all the interviews that I've done, but it's like, uh, you know, oh, nice. this is an actual animation cell from the, the Michael Jordan shoe campaign. And <laughs> Those commercials that led to Space Jam. No one fell French fries better than, than Michael Jordan, you know, like, uh, <laughs> my best Sylvester, but uh, uh, it's crazy to think that, uh, yeah, it all came from one guy and now it takes about six guys to kind of fill in those shoes. And uh, your Sylvester might give Jeff Bergman a run for his money. Oh, well, uh, I bet your favorite brother, puffy cat, father, oh, father, for shame. (laughs) I'm so embarrassed. Come on there, fun. You know, um, incredible. Yeah. I mean, but like, geez, the the I, the, uh, the the CG animated uh, version of Sylvester and Tweety mm-hmm. was, that, was it I taught I taught putty tat yes and yeah the shorts that played right before like uh, cats and dogs and like those movies in the early two thousands yeah like the, the the great CG versions of uh, of of those uh, shorts and Billy West contributed Elmer for Daffy's Rhapsody but Joe Lasky contributed all of Sylvester's ouches and every time he got hurt between Mel Blanc singing as Sylvester. And I swear to God, if you watch that, right, it's right. incredible to know that that's Joe Lasky going, ouch, you know, like, ah! you know, all the, all the Sylvester screams and reactions. He, he, he killed that voice too. I mean, Daffy, of course, I think was, was his, uh, was his crowning jewel. But, um, but like I said, like he did bugs and everyone that's done bugs has done a different thing that they, they hear in their ear that they bring to the table. Like, I mean, I, I always say vocal for, vocal cord for vocal cord. I think Jeff Bergman is like the best follow-up to Mel Blanc. As far as matching every single voice, like he mean to a, to, to a T in, in his heyday, like right at the beginning, yeah. right out the gate, swinging for the fences. Uh, you know, stepping up to the plate of young Jeff Bergman. Like he was just crazy <laughs> talented and like, uh, and, and and Billy West, I think his his greatest performance is Bugs in Space Jam. But on the Space Jam soundtrack, singing "Buggin'," which is a <laughs> rap song on the on the soundtrack, written by Jay Z. And if you listen yeah. to that song, it just it's it's Bugs. It's Bug. My favorite Bugs singing. Run with the Toonstars, show them love. Peace to Daffy and Elma Fudd. The Roadrunner, drop a dust storm. Peace to Wiley Coyote and Fog Leghorn. Sylvester, Tweety, the rest of the gang. Untreated Toon Squad's got the best game. You know, I mean, like, listen to that song. And I swear to God, it's Mel Blanc singing, like, rapping. Um, Did Jeff Bergman ever talk to you about his voicing of the character? and, And did that influence you at all? 
I mean, I, I mean, I, I had sessions with him when he was doing bugs for, uh, you know, for Looney Tunes show and, uh, and, and Wabbit. And you were Marvin. And um, that was Marvin. I've been Marvin for 10 years, luckily. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, just, just getting to listen to him and, 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 and just, he's just like this phenomenon when it comes to voice matching. It's crazy. His Fred Flintstone, like his, his Alan Reed impression, not, not the Fruity Pebbles, uh, Bonnie, you know, <laughs> let, let go of my pebbles. Like not, <laughs> that wasn't him. That was the other guy that took over. Um, right. Got him blanking on his name and he was he was amazing too i mean and uh, uh jeff uh, arnold taylor does that version of fred to a t like he he actually was selected by i think his name was fred freddie i'll have to like look it up but uh but yeah, jeff bergman name. does like alan reed fred flintstone like okay. uh wilma you know uh bonnie we're gonna go bowling tonight buddy you know like that the real like the, the first fred Wow. And it's, I go, when did you know, like, you could do that one? And he was like, probably not until, I think he said he was like in his early 40s. Like it said, it took him time wow. to get there. But, and then he, then, uh, but then he started, because we were working on Yabba Dabba Dinos. I was, uh, I was doing Dino, another Mel Blanc voice. <laughs> which I found out later when Mel Blanc did it, because I was like, <laughs> I was going, I was pushing my ear out. Mm. Mel Blanc was inhaling, and that's how a dog barks. Is he he inhales? A dog when they bark, they're inhaling air. Learn something new every uh, day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it allows me to get that high pitched Dino noise. That <laughs> that uh, and and <clears throat> doing it now, I'm like when I was doing it like two years ago, it was fine. <laughs> but I'm doing it now, and I'm like, oh my god, it's, it's starting to hurt. Um, but uh, yeah, I I love hearing what and joe lasky's warmth he brought the warmth of yeah. bugs like the later chuck jones bugs uh, well that went well you know like that bugs this the the half-lidded uh, wabbit season all right calm down daffy calm down you know when daffy <laughs> listen robert you know like <laughs> I, I know i do the crazy the crazy one yes but oh brother this guy I, 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 I'd be embarrassed if it weren't true. Uh, the self-deprecation the is perfect. What's that? <laughs> the self-deprecation is perfect. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Read the name. Uh, good and loud, sister. You know, I, I, I'd be embarrassed if, if, my were, if my name weren't inscribed in gold on that little book of yours. You know, like that, like that, that, that Daffy. I, yeah. I would love to do that, that version of Daffy. Uh, the well, maybe the new shorts will get there. And as they evolve, I mean, they can uh, have different versions and, and show off the different versions as the character evolved. Give it and, to directors outside of the crew, you know, and, and you know, yeah. there, there were uh, a, a couple of years back, uh, and I don't even know why he follows me on Instagram, but uh, Jamie Hewlett of the Gorillas, um, uh, you know, the, the cartoonist behind the Gorillas, nice. he, he posted these amazing drawings of bugs like and daffy like his vert like the way he would draw them and i'm like oh please just let him do like a gorilla style bugs bunny short and if i were so lucky to to work on that it would be a dream come true um that would be interesting to have different artists come in and give their own style to it just putting yeah. it out there in the universe via your podcast. 
<laughs> Jamie Hewlett's listening. My God. Uh, I will. I mean, you don't need any help from me, sir. But man, if you want me to make that, connect that bridge, I will. Uh, <laughs> I'll put on my flax right away, sir. Give me the cement. Let me put these bricks on one layer at a time. Um, but yeah, bugs, you know, every kid thinks that he could probably do bugs or runs around saying, man, what's up, Doc? And then until their voice drops and changes and then you go through puberty and you start learning how your voice changes throughout the years. I'm 40 now. And I'm telling you, this is only the second time that I auditioned for bugs in about a decade or 11 years. That's wow. how often, you know, they really do the, what I call in the industry, the shaking of the ant farm. So like, you know, they may have been doing it one way for like, 10 years or right. X amount of years. Cause the last time I auditioned for bugs was in 2010 um, for the Looney Tunes show, which premiered 2011. Uh, and uh, you know, that was, that was Jeff's big return to these characters. And, you know, he did it amazingly for, you know, a few seasons of that and a few seasons of, of new Looney Tunes. And I feel like the, the uh, you know, the idea of reinvention for these characters you know, I think they were so close on like new Looney Tunes as far as like getting away from like, okay, superheroes. Okay, now they're in a sitcom. Now they're babies. <laughs> you know, new Looney Tunes and Wabbit was, I think, the first attempt, the very, mm -hmm. very first incarnation of Wabbit was just bugs in the hole, back to right. basics, just bugs. And they didn't want any of the characters. They wanted bugs and new characters, mm -hmm. new bad guys. Um, I think that's something that nobody knows. And that's why it evolved to new looney tunes because slowly but surely people that were working on the show were like well what if we put taz and what if we put elmer and what if Sports we put and, back yeah and then they're like yeah. fine and then they just made it they just made new looney tunes and i love matt craig i think he's a genius and i think uh he is uh one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet one of the funniest guys you'll ever meet and uh i think he did a great job on that run and but this is the world we live in now we live in the world of like i was hot off the the uh ninja turtles train that ran from 2012 to like 2019 it was a good run it was a great run and i was just like and i still think nickelodeon has to you know consider what they've built over five seasons even though that's like I don't know for whatever reason that's like a rule or they just feel like they need to change things up after five seasons. Uh, and I feel like, you know, if they were going the course that they were going on, as far as like, we're going to reinvent, but still pay homage, you know, then they started doing stuff that was like outside of, you know, they did like TMNT, like universal studios monsters and stuff, you know, like, and that was cool. I thought that like them going outside the box was great, but Nickelodeon was like, well, you know, hey, let's 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 say we did a great job on this one. Let's call it a day. And then like literally like there was an article. And I think this is how like Rise of TMNT got such a bad rap at the beginning. Fans love it now. If you search uh, Twitter uh, on Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what was once a, oh, my God, why is Splinter small and fat? And why is he lazy? And why does he not like his kids? And why does he not want to train them? It's because it's Ry Rise of TMNT is like a complete, like, backstory. And, and here's the best part about Ninja Turtles is that there's so many dimensions, dimension Xs and, and alternate universes that this could be an alternate universe. Oh, sure. I was waiting for them to start introducing, like, characters from other universes 
as they kind of did on the 2012 run. That would have been amazing. But the point is, like, this is the world we live in. We live in a world where it's like, okay, that was a reboot in 2012 that did so great. And I remember the fans were like, the turtles have three toes. Oh, how could you? And then by the time the 2012 series was done, they're like, don't cancel it. You're going to ruin my life. And then this is the same thing with, like, Rise. They're like, Splinter's not Splinter. And then, like, you slowly see that Splinter's getting to the point where he... He, uh, you're in front of my, my TV, Michelangelo. He, he didn't even call them Michelangelo. He called them because he's like, he didn't even know their names. He's like, orange one, red one, <laughs> blue one. I was like, if, if Yoda and Danny DeVito had a baby. Uh, and, oh, and, that's great. And, 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 and uh, <laughs> put on a rat costume. That was my, like, it's like, it's always sunny in, in the sewers of New York. That was the, the, you know, instead of Philadelphia, that was like my take on Splinter was like, the crazy, the crazy splinter that if you, if you watch that now, like, I mean, I don't know where they're still airing new episodes. Uh, Mm. If you watch that run, it actually, people like, like they're like, people like I cried, like, cause he becomes the dad that you wish, wish he did. And I feel like this is the same thing with Looney Tunes. It's like, we just had like new Looney Tunes and Wabbit, and even before that, like they slid right into production from Looney Tunes show into Wabbit, like without missing mm-hmm. a beat. And they just kept Jeff. Um, because I, why wouldn't you? Right, exactly. He was doing such an amazing job, knocking it out of the ballpark. And then like, then they got D. Bradley Baker in from fresh off of Space Jam to do Daffy, which was great for D. I feel like that's, th- that's something that I think because he only got to do it once, right? As, as in Space Jam. Right. That was it. Uh, so to see him get to explore Daffy for an entire series was a lot of fun. I actually have video footage of like the one time that you see Bugs, Daffy, and Porky in a scene together and they recorded that together. Uh, I, have, I should post it sometime. It's video footage of like Jeff, Dee, and Bob in the booth performing their characters to a T. We, we are living in this like content, endless content, endless binge watching, endless, I need more, uh, you know, back to, and even just pushing them back to back, like Ninja Turtles, that article of like, we're canceling the show guys, the 2012 one, but good news, we got a new one. Like, I was like, no, give it some time to breathe. You shouldn't have, because now they're gonna, co- they're gonna pair their sadness with the old one with this new one, you know, like, yeah. remember that old girlfriend you had that you love so much? <laughs> We're taking her away. And here's the new one. Love it just the same. Right. Love it it's equally. You just can't force for people audience. to just, yeah, yeah, you just can't really force people to, you know, really just fall. They have to fall. The, 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 falling in love with someone is, is just like, you know, it takes time and, and you have to like grow with it. And what I think worked well uh, for, for Looney Tunes cartoons <laughs> what I what I think worked well and what I what I hated was that they advertised it so far before we were able to premiere or show anything that the fans were like, "When is this coming out?" You know, you had that one thing of Daffy with the big one thousand minute barbell. Yes, and then it was radio silence for like two <laughs> years, and I, even I was like, "Anything? Are we, are we allowed to say anything?" You know, I had I have footage on my phone 
of like EDR sessions. I'm like, I'm taking video of this. Like I have footage of cartoons that like I can show now because they've aired. But it's like, it's crazy that like the wait was, was long enough, but it was good because you weren't like, this is too soon, you know? Right. Uh, it builds they, up anticipation. Because they hadn't really fully aired the rest of, uh, you know, the rest of Looney, uh, new Looney Tunes as well. Yeah. So now it's all out now, though. It's great. You have the best of three universes. You have, or four, if, if Looney Tunes show is out there. I don't know if they'll ever put Lunatics up, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I mean, one day on HBO Max. If they I think the content. There's, a, there's fans for everything. And that's, oh, yeah. that's the best part about, like, I think, <laughs> Couch Potatoes. <laughs> that's the best part about... <laughs> that's the best part of Couch Potatoes is that there's fans of everything. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to watch all the versions of Looney Tunes. You know, um... We're going back to Turtles real quick. Uh, so you voiced Leonardo in the Batman and Ninja Turtles like cr- like crossover, I guess. Yeah. And that was for DC and Warner Brothers. Oh yeah. And Thank and you that, for... was that right before Bugs? I for... think it may have been during because during. this was okay. like like a Unikitty times. You the Unikitty times. The Unikitty <laughs> Chronicles. Ah uh, yes, I remember them so well. Uh, yeah. But Leo is one of my favorite characters. So congrats Mine on too. landing Thank that one. You. Donatello was always my favorite because I love the tech nerd and I love the, his, his uh, choice sure. of weaponry. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the bow staff. But um, getting to play Leo, and it's really funny. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Ciro Neely and Brandon Amon were the showrunners of the 2012 TMNT. There is a pilot somewhere that exists. Uh, where I'm the voice of Raphael. Oh, wow. And at the very beginning, Jason Biggs was the voice of Leonardo from American right. Pie and, and, and Broadway. And um, I really loved his Leonardo. I did too. I did too. And I love Seth Green. Uh, he, he was such a gentleman and uh, a, a, a fan of cartoons. Uh, I mean, hello, Robot Chicken, right? Exactly. But the note was that my voice is Raph. I, I have that weird edge you know i'm the whitest sounding filipino guy you'll ever meet like uh, <laughs> uh there's a reason why i voice dr quest johnny haji we have to fight we have to go with race he's there to protect us you know like don messick rest in peace um there is such an edge to my voice that even if i'm like trying to like tough him up it's still there and they're like it sounds so close to leo you know like it sounds so close to leo so they invited this uh, young up-and-comer by the name of Sean Astin to uh, to voice. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Sean Astin. No, never but, heard of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, hobbits or something. I don't know. I, I wish him well. Goonies. Uh, no. Dude, he brought it as Raph. Like, he has that, you know, he has that kind of meaty, like that, that thick, rich-sounding yeah. voice that, like, when he pushes it and makes himself sound like a stubborn teenager, like a hot-headed teen, he killed it as Raph, and I loved listening to him do, you know, Raphael. They were they were having some trouble like finding the right Raph. I was like literally the fourth person to be in that seat before they 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 got Sean. Oh, wow. And the fact that they got Sean on that show is insane. You know, like he is such a prolific actor, and um, 
you know, not that, not that anyone would be too good to be in, in a cartoon. Cause I feel like everyone wants to do cartoons now, every, every big name, every celebrity, uh, and, and their, and their mom want to do cartoons, you know, they're like, I, I need to get in on this, you know, right. cause I want to watch something with my kids that I, where I'm not killing someone. Um, and now with animation being the primary project that you can actually do in, in these times, in the pandemic, it's, it's something good Lord. that is a uh, very, you know, high demand. Um, it is, it is the, uh, thank you yeah. for all those stories, Eric. I, I want to transition a little bit into talking about some of these older cartoons um, so we can follow the path of Bugs Bunny into him becoming the bugs that you have voiced for these new cartoons that are a new era for the character, but also paying homage to the classics. So let's see how we can get there and, uh, <laughs> and see what, uh, what bugs needed to become the bugs that we know today. So first we're going to start there with Porky's Hair Hunt. This was from 1938. Uh, Bob Clampett directed uh, short. This is what gave Bugs his Clark Gable inspiration uh, from his yeah. character in It Happened One Night where he's sitting next to the, the bench and jumping on the carrot. Um, this Even also, the shape of his face. Though. Right, right. Yeah, it it's was almost crazy. like a caricature of Clark Gable, but in a, in a like, rabbit. <laughs> Clark, you look like a, a rabbit. <laughs> what are you talking? What are you saying? I look like a rabbit. <laughs> Come on, man. What do you mean I look like a rabbit, Doc? You know, and that's like, that's, that's kind of like, I, if I play you my audition for Bugs, it's so different. From, <laughs> I, I feel like I found the comfort zone with him now. And I feel like I was so like scared when Looney Tunes cartoons premiered because of the choices I was making. Mm. Like, what a delightful experience, you know, like that weird, those weird, like, it wasn't like, you know, like the, the, this version, it, it was like, hey, Doc, uh, gremlins, diabolical sabotage, <laughs> gremlins, what, what a bunch of horse eggs, you know, like, like, like that, that version of Bugs. But then I started doing this one and... I, I, you'll, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the second batch to come out. Oh, I can't wait. It really, it really started not even that late or early, but sorry, but like hair restoration, I was like, okay, I kind of like that balance. Cause I was saying things really fast and like, it felt like whatever kind of energy they're looking for. And that's the one thing I wanted to go back. What one thing I could touch on with, with the, the topic of like voice impression period is like, mm. You could be dead on with the sound, but if you're so concentrated with the sound and you lose the acting, that's where the wheels fall off, where it's like, you're not pushing the voice like Mel did, like when he goes, ooh, I'm dying! You know, like that stuff where it's not even bugs, where it's just Mel Blank, like right. when his, he does the man voice, like, yes. you know, but then he goes, oh, monsters lead such interesting lives, you know, like when he does that stuff too, it's like, you have to be able to be comfortable with letting go of the, the voice impression itself uh, to inject acting, to be loose enough to inject like that unhinged, like uh, whatever, you know, that what, the X factor that Mel had. And that is the boisterous loud, like he was just, he could not give a F. He was probably smoking indoors, drinking scotch at like 10 a.m., wearing a three-piece wool suit in, a, in the Warner <laughs> Brothers soundstage, asbestos in the ceiling, no air conditioning. 
people burning their garbage in the 40s but it's like it's that thing where it's like the evolution of the voice too you know like right. you have to you have to be able to uh, again just just have that be in the pocket of the voice impression but the acting is even more important and i feel like if there's one mark that i'd love to leave behind with my version of bugs is the unhinged energy the energy that mel had and i feel like that's what for me as a fan like you know when i watch post mel blank cartoons it's like oh man i, I you know and they still nail it like i mean i love it i i i I buy everything. I have a hoodie from uh, that has a scene from Carrot Blanca on it, and nice. it's like it's like Bugs with the fedora and and Kitty and Sylvester when they're about to go on the on the airplane, and um, it's like everything about like the '90s stuff. I got to work with Daryl Van Sitters on the uh, Kith Looney Tunes commercial. Yes, I saw and I was that like, recently. I was like, uh, are you? Mr. Van Sitters, like from Box Office Bunny in the 90s. And he's like, yep. And I'm like, <gasps> I go, my son and I watched that show, that, that, that short endlessly. Like it's always on Boomerang. And I go, I can't believe I like, and there's also a commercial, another commercial that's not even with Kiff. It's, it's a separate commercial uh, for an airline coming out with Looney Tunes as part of like the promotion. Uh, and he worked on that. And again, it's that, that that classic '90s like look, it's it's literally like the merchandise like like it's just how how we know Bugs and Daffy to look from yeah. the '90s. Yeah, on a shirt wearing hip hop clothes and their pants backwards, that style <laughs> to me is just like it's always going to be my favorite. Like there's nothing so nostalgic. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so nostalgic. So like to see my voice coming out of like the '90s Bugs, you know. Uh, anyways but going back uh, to mel blank so you mentioned his boisterous uh, attitude that he injected into the character you have to realize how layered that made the character and like the the yeah. range that he has and you really get that with in the later shorts especially like the the duck rabbit duck and like all of the chuck jones stuff oh, yeah. and oh. and whenever he's playing against daffy that takes care of him uh now tell me just between the two of us what season is it Really? <laughs> Don't be so naive, Buster. Why, everybody knows it's really duck season. Um, anytime he cross-dresses. Anytime he cross-dresses, you also have another Oh, got a nickel for the, so I can juice up the juice, the juice, the jukebox. You know, like. It's just layer upon layer. trio coming right up. You know, like, when so he good. does, like, the falsetto stuff, it, it kills me, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just so funny. <laughs> That's a big idea. Why don't you work where you... Huh? Oh, how simply dreadful. You poor little man. Did I hurt you with my naughty gun? You know, Phil Lamar said his favorite actor is Bugs Bunny. I would agree. You know, because... So versatile. Bugs, Bugs did everything. He, he was a whirlwind of, of talent but uh, going back to your list yeah so finishing up uh porky's hair hunt uh so this also included groucho's phrase you know that just means wah uh, from yeah. duck soup which is what the podcast is named after and nice. uh just this laid a really good groundwork that the other artists could come in and evolve uh which they did in harem scarum in 1939 a year later uh this was directed by ben hardaway and yep. cal dalton 
Um, this version was a bit too hyper and too close to Daffy. Uh, so yeah. like that, that really wacky Daffy of like jumping all over everything and going into people's like property. Like that was this bugs. And it was just, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do the, too far the, in that the direction. Staircase. I do the staircase Daffy. The <laughs> that's like, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to practice that and I'm going to put it in every cartoon, get ready to get annoyed. It's great. Because like that's what I I was like how does he, how does he do that weird like <laughs> like you know <laughs> I love My how you describe probably, that as a staircase I, that's perfect oh yeah he's, perfect go, he's going down the staircase I'm sure my mom thought I was like uh, needed therapy or <laughs> or an exorcism at one point as a kid. Man, you can see I'm starting to sweat because doing these voices is so hard. <laughs> Me and Fred Tattashore always look like we walk out of saunas at the end of each session because we're just like, because, oh, and the other thing too I want to talk about is like Fred, who does an amazing Yosemite Sam, yes. looked over at me and was like, hey, Bowser, man, because do you hold your breath sometime? Would you hold your breath when you do these voices? I go, I think I do. Like when I do bugs, I'm not breathing. I'm pushing all my air out. Like, I'm not breathing. And I don't, Mel Blanc was like, I can breathe. I invented these voices. <laughs> but when you're an impersonator, you do things physically that you don't even think you're doing mm. until someone like Fred goes, are you breathing when you do these voices? Because when he does Sam, I bet he's just straining so much, you know, like to yeah. get that voice out. And when I'm doing bugs, I'm like holding my breath and I feel like I'm like playing the bagpipes, you know, like. It's coming um, from your appendix. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure my organs have rearranged themselves <laughs> by now. Not good. Not good, kids. And Fred also does Gossamer in the uh, Big League Beast, which we're going to talk about. Um, interestingly enough, I found out in my research that Mel did Gossamer back in the day. Did you ever want to do oh, Gossamer yeah. or audition for him? No, there, there's just some things that I'm like, you know, I, I, maybe as the years go on, like if my voice changes again, who knows if I have... Uh, my 36th puberty uh, moment. Uh, <laughs> if I start smoking a carton of cigarettes, maybe, maybe I'll be able to hit, you, you know, Yosemite Sam, you know, like that's a hard voice. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, like, if I'll ever be able to, I like, uh, yes, Pepe Le Pew. There are other voices that uh, I don't know. I can do, no? You know, like that, that weird, maybe it's because of I'm so close to Quebec, uh, in Canada, my French Canadian. This is my best Celine Dion impression. No, <laughs> sorry, Celine. I was just kidding. Um, Isn't Gossamer just a, a series of grunts and and like monstral yes. sounds? But, yeah, I mean, like there again, there there are just some things that like uh, people people are better at than others, and and uh, I leave I leave those guttural monster sounds to people like Fred, who is who is insanely talented. Uh, you know, I, I, I am, I marvel at Fred. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm glad he's providing these voices for us. And uh, obviously Yosemite Sam is a really distinct one that people have it in is. their heads. And, and yeah. I can't imagine uh, the level of and like energy that you have to exude to, to get there. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all, I'm in awe of uh, you and Fred and, and the, the whole team. Go, going back to like that, I'm so scared of the premiere. Like you know, like again, you're you're talking about specifics with with Yosemite and like you know the ear people have for these characters. It's like as soon as I started seeing comments and repostings of, I am 
confused. You know, like that line. <laughs> when people were like happy about it, I was like, okay, now I can like, that was the hoop of fire that I, that I had to jump through for like, like, I almost remember watching the short, like when we were doing ADR for it going, should I change that? Should I request to change that? And I, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let, let, let that be the moment where <laughs> that, let that be the make or break <laughs> moment for my like portrayal as this character. And then when people said, wow, he does the yelling that no one, no one has been, no one has tried to do or no one has done. And I was like, there has to be moments. But then I'm thinking, I was like, maybe not. I don't know. That weird, again, like the, ooh, I'm dying. Like, you know. Yeah. No, <laughs> I loved it. Thing. I'm glad it's in there. I, I'm like all of the creative choices of, of the yelling and, and just the high energy that we don't really, you know, see of bugs lately is refreshing. So that's, that's how I saw it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so to continue the list, uh, we had Chuck Jones come in in 1940 with Elmer's candid camera. Then all you do is quick the shutter and puesto. You have a fine picture of wild wife. Suitable for flaming. Golly, that sounds simple enough. This is notable for the redesign of Elmer. And whenever you think of Elmer Fudd today, that's where it came from. That specific right. short. And all of that was molded into a wild hair, which is what we're going to be talking about. This is the first time Bugs was credited as Bug Bunny. And this is uh, directed by Tex Avery in 1940. Shh. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Oh boy, wabbit twacks. <laughs> wabbits love cowards. What's up, Doc? Basically, this introduced all of the bugs bugsisms that we know today. So the zany rabbit, but it was also uh, Bugs's iconic look, his personality. And just the way that he went through this entire short and he had a death scene. He cared about yeah. the, the wildlife. He was playing pranks on Elmer throughout. He had this char charisma that you only find in like Hollywood stars. And what I love most about this short is that the introduction of Bugs is his hand and him tying Elmer's gun together as a bow. We, we yes. see those two things before we even see Bugs as the full figure. So he's, yeah. he's already like, his personality is exuding before we even see full on Bugs. And then whenever we do, he's, he's basically Bugs Bunny, like out of the hole. He's Bugs yeah. and like you love him. Um, and I, I can see why people in the 40s just went head over heels for him because he was, he was like a movie star. Yeah, he was at that point. I, you're absolutely right. You always hit uh, all these points on the head. It's it's like that's what laid the groundwork down. I think for the rest of it, I think they finally hit their stride with the character, and um, it's it's amazing to see. And I wonder, like, why he did evolve the way he did. Like, I I mean, I I only know Looney Tunes with horse blinders on, not looking at the rest of the world. And of course, Looney Tunes, as we know, has always been a jumping point for like, you know, even political stuff. Right. And it, it made fun of current pop culture, you know, any way they caricatured celebrities. Even but I this, wonder, there's that. 
There's yeah. a scene where uh, Elmer, or sorry, Bugs puts his hands over Elmer and he's like, guess who? And then Elmer just rattles off a bunch of celebrity names. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, Bugs yeah, is yeah. like, nope, nope, close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's even in here. Like this is the blueprint of Bugs Bunny. But I gotta, I gotta like, do, like we, we need to peel back the layers and see like what was going on in the world like at each given time right. these these shorts premiered you know because it it, it affects it, it you know it, it of course the planet affects the humans that are living on it and the, the and and what they're doing in their daily lives like when they're making these cartoons what were they thinking like what were they doing uh you know uh really interesting um uh, uh, like I wouldn't say it was a lecture, but it was like a sit down at the uh, the la- last year oh, San Diego Comic Con. Oh, Comic Con! Oh, how I'm gonna miss you on my 80th birthday. Um, I was at the Chuck Jones Gallery, and Willie Ito was there. I got a I got a drawing from him. I I, I think it was a I got a a Shaggy holding Scooby Doo. Nice. Uh, uh, but he was one of the guys that worked on the Chuck Jones unit. And oh, nice. he told us such amazing stories, like he was a Japanese American uh, animator, and he worked on What's Opera Doc and uh, all of like these classic Chuck Jones shorts that we all know, like the back of our hand. Uh, he would tell us funny stories, like, and you know, we're talking about the way things were back then. So they had these animation light box tables, right? So they can see through the paper sure. when they flip and animate, and the technology in the 30s and 40s was not that great. They didn't have these uh, these amazing uh, internet ring lights, you know, uh, <laughs> that does nothing for my disgusting face. Um, um, they they had these these like like bulbs underneath, like these like, giant like stage bulbs probably that like could light up like a freeway at night <laughs> underneath their table. And he said they would heat up after five minutes and they would have to stop working and cool the bulb down because it was so hot. Oh, wow. So like, he was like, so uh, after five minutes after, uh, you know, working uh, over the hot box as we called them, um, what do you think we would do in the 30s and 40s? As we would wait for the desk to cool down, we would open a window at our desk and spark a cigarette. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And this is the time when they were like burning garbage in their backyard, <laughs> the incinerators. Ah, California, 1939. Oh boy. Let's burn our garbage. Uh, and he's like, uh, we worked on Warner Brothers set on the Warner Brothers lot, and um, what we would do is anytime a, an animator would go on vacation for a couple of days or have two days off, they would take a cake box, you know, like a box you'd put donuts or cakes in, and put a bunch of horse manure in uh, <laughs> in the box, seal it, and put it under the desk of the animator so that when the light box would heat up, it would like <laughs> reignite this <laughs> box of horse poop. And that these, I mean, like, yeah, you're wondering who these people are that worked on the Looney Tunes. They were Looney Tunes. They were pranksters. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, this will get them. <laughs> Let me just poop in the box. <laughs> Daffy, those are eggs. 
chocolate eggs. Uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, boy. Someone's going to take that whole clip and animate it. <laughs> oh, please, please do. Please do. Yes. Uh, please do. One of the please other do. things that a wild hair was known for was that shush moment where Elmer looks at the camera and says, shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting yeah. rabbits. It came from here. It also uh, established wabbit twacks and uh, Bugs' love for carrots. So yeah, it's, it's in my really addition, great. in my addition for bugs, if I play it for you, I'll send it to you. I'm eating carrots in it. Oh, anytime. please do. Not, not sour. Like no? <laughs> no, no. I, I had uh, baby carrots, Oh, cool. uh, you know, and uh, yeah, cause he was allergic to carrots, yeah, right? He was. So they made him eat celery. Yep. He chose celery <laughs> out of all the fruit, all of the crunchy vegetables and fruit you could choose from. It was uh, the the worst I mean, tasting one. <laughs> that is the crunch, unless it's like literally dipped from head to toe in ranch, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and accompanied by six hot wings. You know, like also dipped in ranch and and more hot sauce. That's the Homer Simpson special. Just looking at That's your shirt. Right. <laughs> oh boy, I haven't done I haven't done a Homer Simpson impression in years. I used to. That was the, I, I'm more of a Peter Griffin guy now. So, okay, uh, where's my Peter Griffin short? I don't know. Yeah, so I just wanted to run down some credits. Uh, Story for A Wild Hair was by Rich Hogan and Bob Clampett. Animation was by Virgil Ross. Bob McKenzie and his brother Charles both both worked on this. Rob Scribner, Sid Sutherland, uh, and Paul Smith. And um, some really fun facts was the effects animation was by AC Gamer. And soon after AC Gamer, I learned this on Twitter earlier, um, was that the guy that replaced him, I don't remember his name, but he was responsible for Rabbits of Seville and like all of these other ones that were just like astronomical. And he yeah. learned from AC Grammar. So AC Grammar is like the godfather of all of those animation effects that you see within Looney Tunes. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And even in this, uh, there, there's a really great uh, piece where Bugs is like ramping up to kick Elmer and his leg is spinning outside oh of his body yeah, yeah 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 and yeah that came from uh ac grammar like he did all of that so jeez louise really great legacy um and i actually go. just got a a bob mckin well it's not an original cell but it's like a, a duplicate cell from um uh hillbilly hair oh nice yeah <laughs> i love that hoedown sequence element left in your left hand <laughs> follow true with the right you know like i love that uh Promenade across the floor, sashay right on out the door, out the door and into the glade and everybody promenade. You know, I, I wanted to sing that at a karaoke bar Please, and yes. then kicked out for <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, you're not next. You forgot to tip me. Um, yeah, I, I bought a uh, spoiler alert for my brother's birthday present. Uh, I got him from the Chuck Jones gallery when I, when I did my appearance with them. Uh, they were also selling and auctioning off a couple of those. I think they were signed by... Uh, some of McKimson's uh, kids or brothers or oh, wow. some, someone from the McKimson family had signed it. And uh, I want to give it to it was my, me and my brother. Uh, Sour belly trio coming right up. Places <laughs> y'all find your partners. You know, That's like, when, they come out of the, when they come, that band comes out of the jukebox, yes. like they're inside of it. I like, I was like, what's happening? The precursor like to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what, that's where Chuck E. Cheese got their idea. Probably. Um, yeah. And, uh, so Carl Starling doing the music for that and, uh, it came out and premiered in theaters like Looney Tunes used to be July 27th, 1940. 
which is why we are celebrating Bugs's 80th. Is that is that the date? That's the date. July 27th. Wow. That's the date. Amazing. So we are celebrating Bugs's birthday, but I I would be remiss if I did not bring other other birthdays from Looney Tunes characters, which we just passed um, or are coming up this year. So real quick, I'll run those down. Porky Pig turned 85 years old this year. 85. <laughs> uh, and not a, a, a wrinkle on my face. Wow. <laughs> he looks uh, healthy as a, a newborn ham. Uh, he That's from Haven't Got a Hat from 1935. Daffy Duck turned 83 from Porky's Duck Hunt. That's from 1937. Elmer Fudd. I thought we agreed not to say. Like, I thought we were going to lie. You know, like 40, 43? Is that? 43? Is that believable? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're voicing him, I think he's closer to like 17, maybe 20. Right. <laughs> and Elmer Fudd uh, turned 83 from Egghead Rides Again uh, in 1937. Uh, before Elmer Fudd was known as Elmer Fudd, he was known as Egghead. Yes. Interesting fact. Um, yeah. So uh, did you have anything you wanted to say about those characters and how I mean, their legacies? It's just with, with, so with, I mean, geez Louise, like <laughs> they, without, without, Without the other characters, I mean, I, everyone always asks, which one's your favorite? And of course, Bugs for me will always be the favorite, but it's hard, man. I think it's like a 12-way tie when it comes to these characters because there isn't one short that has these characters in it that I'm not laughing my head off, you know? Right. Like, all of them. All of them are, are, are so funny. And they work. They, they wouldn't be funny without each other. That's the, yeah. the other thing. You know, and uh, again, why we're here sitting talking about these these beloved characters is is what's funny is funny. It'll, if it was funny the first day, it's going to be funny eighty years later. And you know, I mean, it's it's enough for me to like it. It's it's part of my life now, and I think it's kind of like it, in, insane to think that it's just something that like I was just fond of. You know, like really, really a fan of. Uh, I'm kind of like attached to like i always say warner brothers gave me the keys to the cadillac and i'm just trying not to scratch it uh while backing it out of the garage right like, all right <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> no you're doing great. gonna kill me you're doing great with it and the whole team is and and obviously we wouldn't be here without the incredible teams behind these classic shorts and, and the way that they develop the comedy uh leon schlesinger the producer back then and what he approved and what he didn't approve and even sometimes what he said not to do they did anyway <laughs> i mean it was just a really great combination of talent and just all out they looked at disney and they were like that's our competition we got to do something that is yeah. you know uh the opposite <laughs> And it really, it so, really pushed, yeah, I mean, it pushed them so uh, far. And yeah. when, that's what I always think of too. Like we have these cartoons as artists to look back on and study, mm -hmm. but it's like, what the hell were they looking at? What, like, why did they draw the way they did? And of course, like you said, competition and all that stuff. Right. But like, but even then it's still like, you have to base it off something. And it's like, how they carve this, like, you know, this, this perfect statue or this perfect character, like, it's just, it's just insane to me. Like, uh, you know, it's just so appealing yeah. what they thought, what was just the standard, you know, like, like they drew so like solidly back then, like the construction of the character, even like, you know, like I used, I draw, like I, I, I draw every, every now and then I don't draw as much as I used to, but uh, like, you know, 
I would always be like, oh God, now I have to draw hands. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, but like, you know, I bought the Preston, uh, Preston, Preston Blair uh, book of animation. And it's like the drawings in that are like, it's all like classic Tom and Jerry Looney Tunes style. That is like, nice. you know, just so solid, yeah. you know, like. The line work is just astounding. It's, it's genius. And that will do it for the end of part one with Eric Bauza. I look forward to bringing you part two very soon. But before I do, Eric has some upcoming events that I wanted to plug at the end of this. So you can attend those if you're interested. So here they are. So Thursday, this Thursday, you have you have no time. If, if you're watching this past Thursday, then you've already missed it. Uh, however, if you're still watching this before Thursday, Thursday, June tw- July 23rd uh, at 4 p.m. on the uh, YouTube uh, channel for San Diego Comic-Con at home, uh, you can watch the 80th birthday uh, experience, as they're calling it, the experience at home. Uh, you have to provide your own basket of carrots and uh, bunny ears for that. But it's Billy West, Jeff Bergman, myself, uh, Pete Browngart, Jerry Beck, Leonard Malton, and uh, another gentleman, his name escapes me, uh, hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh, All of us just talking about our love for Bugs Bunny. Uh, You know, I mean, the fact that I'm on a panel with Billy West and Jeff Bergman, like that's ridiculous. I feel like I should be the guy parking cars and everyone should be inside having a party. And you can follow us on all social media at this means podcast. That is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's not all folks. And I really mean it this time. Ricky, ticky, ticky, ticky.